Hey, Matt. Hey, I got some burning questions for you about the podcast. Okay. <laughs> You're supposed to say something like, oh, well, that's totally convenient because... Because we totally have a cream for that. <laughs> <laughs> it burns when I pee. Oh, my God. <laughs> We've been hearing a lot of chatter. A lot of you guys have some questions that you want us to answer uh, in another Q&A. We did one about six months ago, and it was a lot of fun. So we are going to be doing another Q&A on the Patreon. So what you can do, you can get us any questions that you have. Just send them to me, Paul, through the Discord. You can private message me, and then we will be answering those questions and putting them up on Patreon. So if you are a patron, you'll have access to uh, to that Q&A. And if you are not a patron, but you would like to hear what we have to say, then go check out our Patreon. We need all those questions in by July 18th. And so that will be the hard cutoff. So if you have a question, DM the DM. Just slide right into the DMs. Oh. But there's a hard cutoff. <laughs> oh, Sabrina, the way you said that, that was super painful. <laughs> <laughs>
our heroes, Nari and the boys, are making their way from the gardens of Eberly Park to a street called Baker's Way for a very important meeting about a crystal. On their way to the southwest part of Arkelvy, Roos has a clandestine meeting in an alley with one of his former contacts from when he was in Howling Talon. Instructions are given and a piece of paper is handed from Roos to this contact. I need this letter passed around three cities, Arkelvy, Terran's Protectorate, and Wayfield. It's directed to the king, but I need the citizens to know of its contents first. Tenor will be the last one to read this, and it to barkeeps, priests, anyone who will listen. The letter reads as follows. To the imposter king Tenor, your failed attempt to kill Queen Kira did not go unnoticed. Your adept use of the cult of inevitability to cover your plot was clever. It worked on Terran's protectorate, but not Tabory or Wayfield. Murdering a high marshal and then offering protection to the people? That takes balls. I hope they believe you and don't look into it at all. You did not bury the evidence very deep. I personally saved my sister's life from your assassins. Queen Kira has damning evidence of your conspiracy. You'll have to share the recipe for the Thu. That is potent magic. It's too bad that anyone you directed to take it died because of the unstable nature of the potion. Is that how you look at all of the citizens of Arkelvy? Expendable to further your vain ambitions? Anyone that fights for you, Tenor, is defending a tyrant and not a true citizen of Arkelby. You will stand for your crimes eventually. May the lords and ladies forgive you of your murderous schemes. I doubt the innocent people of Arkelby, Terran's Protectorate, Wayfield, or Tabory will ever forgive you. My name is Roos Biard. I'm the rightful heir to the throne on which you sit. Keep the chair warm for me. It won't be yours for very long. The rightful heir, Roos Biard. Mike, I love it. Beautiful. As that figure, that shadowy figure, melts away into the alley, Nari and the boys continue their way southwest until they come to Baker Way. Baker Way is part of the um, the less prosperous part of the city of Arkelvy. Um, Baker Way is actually kind of a step down, and there's actually um, you can see there's. Um, there's these, this staircase that kind of goes down um, about 10 feet down to Baker Way. And as you approach the staircase, you can see these buildings down here on this other part of the town are smaller, more run down. The streets are darker. Cobblestones are loose and missing. Um, the streets are still lit. People are not around um, at this point in the night. It is fairly late at night, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, and at this point, we have Nari, Roos, Pine, Ebby, and their companion, once again, Sir Bordemus, as they seek to find this crystal and liberate it from the thieves who took it from the crypt under Eberly Park. So we're just like walking into a drug deal, I mean a crystal deal, and we're like robbing them both? Uh, not robbing. I mean, this is technically our property. 
Well, right. So more like vigilanteing. But I guess what we're saying is the plan is murder, death, kill. Ortimus speaks up and he says, "Well, the disciples of danger, they did kill." <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, you can laugh all you the want. Name. The, the disciples, disciples of danger. <laughs> disciples of danger. So a quick They're recap: disciples the disciples of danger. <laughs> the disciples of danger are kind of the local thieves group, right? The local mm. gang, and they are in the process of trying to sell this to a larger international group. Uh, called the Fractured Force. And so... Lots of alliteration here. When they tried to sell it to the enigmatic explorers, they failed, so they had to go to this <laughs> other one. The Fractured Force. <sighs> okay. So anyway, Sir Bordemus is saying, let's not forget that the Disciples of Danger did kill the appraiser that I had. Come and look at the crystal. I mean, honestly, taking out a group of dangerous... You know, robbers, thieves, murderers. That's not the problem. I guess what I'm saying is the plan is two armed groups exchanging money and highly valuable merchandise. And we're going to step in and say, huzzah, and attack them. Uh, or if we can get the crystal back some other way, I'm fine with that as well. So if we can set up in advance, maybe have a bird's eye view. Or, there uh, may be some way that we could... I could, I could have Amarok potentially be some of our eyes and ears, and I could relay some of the information. We might be able to do some reconnaissance and um, maybe create some sort of a distraction. Yeah, that sounds great. And uh, Roos, can you, can your imaginary friend help us out with communication? Of course, yeah. I mean, I'll ask him. <laughs> Capital. <laughs> you see Squire in pantaloons and big hat. Again, kind of shrug, kind of nod his head. Okay, I guess. Then he he holds up one finger. You have one hour. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> nice roll. Um, okay. I will actually pull out the um, the bird skull mask that he wore at Gadiver's March, just kind of a, to disguise his face, and put that on. You really should invest in some disguises. Oh, different names, different clothes, something. Because I look like a total jackass here. Maybe only one with a new name and a new costume and everything. <laughs> well, and, and who could possibly forget somebody as memorable here as Bortholomew? So it's going to be important <laughs> that we consider maybe some aliases. Um, you guys are currently standing on the top of this platform in front of the staircase going down into uh, Baker Way. Um, into this kind of bad neighborhood. Um, you guys are um, kind of, as the streets twist and turn, you guys are kind of standing on the west side um, and the staircase goes down into this kind of depression, uh, uh, this kind of lower area. And uh, you can see that um, there's this square, basically. This, uh, if, if it were a different part of town, it'd probably be a, like a market, but there's this square of um, old buildings that are kind of built like one right on top of the other. Um, to the north and to the south, and you can see that the road actually continues on further east into this warren of small, dilapidated houses. Well, sh should we have Amarok maybe scout ahead and maybe tell us what's in some of these houses? I was thinking, yes, uh, that, that would be a good idea, but also maybe trying to hide someplace and, and wait for the exchange 
Oh, that's a great idea. Yes. Fi- finding some sort of alcove for our- ourselves. Or small desks. Also, those work <laughs> very well to hide people. Roos, do you remember when we were on top of the roof during that uh, that whole incident with the hanging in, in Tabory? I do. We had a good vantage of the whole the whole scene below us. Ooh, that could be fun. I don't have a safe way to get us down this time. Hmm. Eh, that's okay. We can take our chances. <laughs> Level nine, there's a lot more hit points and, you know, 2d6 <laughs> of falling damage is not nearly as deadly as it was back then. I guess then I'll take a position on the street and be there in case somebody needs to move immediately. I'll try to take up a, a hidden spot and, and move wherever you need me. Perhaps I could use some of what, um, some of the abilities that Lord Moshe imbued me with to disguise myself to appear like a, maybe a member of the local constabulary of Arkelvy or a soldier. Would that be beneficial or would that maybe... That might put them off. I, I, I think they would be alerted if they saw somebody uh, from the constabulary. Do you want to get stabbed? In this sort of place, this does not seem like the, uh, the proper attire. Well, maybe I could look more shady or seedy or something that's a little bit more disreputable. Bormis, what did what do the disciples of danger look like? What if I were to look like a hooker? <laughs> <laughs> oh I mean, what if? What if? Roos, your passive perception is like an 18, right? It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's 21. And also Nari's is 20. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so Nari and Roos, both of you. As you guys are talking, you guys are also both constantly scanning for danger. Disciples uh, of danger. <laughs> you're scanning for disciples of danger. Um, you're also scanning for ways to kind of infiltrate, be sneaky kind of uh, places that you can get in and hide. Um uh, Rus and Nari, you see movement um, across the way. Um, I told you that the street continues on to the east and goes off more into the into the neighborhood. Um, you see what looks like um, a form in a dark dark clothing sneak down that street, coming closer to you, and then duck into kind of an alleyway um, uh, to the south. So came into this square and then kind of ducked in between two of the buildings here in this kind of area. Roos is going to whisper, Squire, I need you to hide my tracks. And then Roos is going to try and sneak closer to get a better look. Amarok, go with him. Amarok is going to go invisible and tail Roos. And Pine will say, Pine, go with him too. And Pine will also sneak. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> so everyone, everyone gets a plus 10 to their role for sneaking. Oh, wow. Pine got a 22. Roos got a 26. Do you want Amarok to roll stealth as well? Uh, sure. Yeah. Amarok is also going invisible. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so give Amarok uh, advantage on this as well. Okay. And Bordemus rolled an 18. Does the plus 10 apply to Amarok? Uh, yeah. Anybody that I choose. I don't think it says a number of people. I mean, let me double check, but I'm pretty sure anybody can get it. Cool. So um, each creature you choose within 30 feet of you. Sweet. Uh, so Amarok got a 27. Nari got a 25 with that plus 10. You rolled a 15 with uh, 25 with disadvantage. That's amazing. Roost, describe what happens when Squire uh, covers your tracks. So I imagine it's him like scrambling around us, like moving twigs and leaves and things, making sure that nobody steps in a puddle. You know, if somebody's just about to step into a puddle, he puts his hand over it so that they step on his hand instead. Just he's just like 
following us and doing everything he can to prevent us from making sounds. He even has like a broom and he's like sweeping away your footprints as you're walking off. <laughs> yes. Like yes. an umpire at a baseball game. Oh, I was thinking plate. like a curler, but instead of leading the leading the the rock or the stone, he's actually behind you guys just sweeping away all your footprints. Awesome. Exactly. So, so what is everybody going to do? It looks like there's this big wide open square straight ahead and the figure moved um, kind of, it's still further away from you to the east and then to the south. Does it look like there's enough like looping alleyways and here, things here that I could take an alternate path and meet up there? Or from my vantage point, is it all just a, a mess of streets and it scaffolds is, and stuff? It is hard to tell. You can tell that there are some buildings that have like platforms and scaffolding off the side. You can tell that there are some that are built with common walls. Um, there's kind of this one building here in the in the square that's a little bit separated out um, from the other buildings. You might be able to get around behind that one. Um, but then for the most part, it's like, it's pretty much an open, kind of an open area surrounded by these common wall buildings. Okay. But as you guys uh, start to move, Bordemus is going to kind of follow along. Bordemus's plan is just to kind of head straight ahead and kind of tuck up next to one of these buildings. He knows that he's not going to be doing the the recon. Uh, he's just going to try to get a little bit closer. I think that's Pine's plan too. So Pine and Bordemus are kind of uh, going the same place. Yeah, I think Nari would also kind of follow that that exact sort of vibe, like just trying to hide and uh, see what's going on. Okay. So Roos is going to go straight ahead to the corner um, of that building in the alley where he lost sight of the woman. And he's going to peek his head around that corner. Okay. As you get up there, before you actually peek around the corner, you can hear voices. Okay. So Pine, it looks like you're kind of over there in that same area. Um, but a little bit further back, uh, you both can hear voices talking, but Roos, especially with your passive perception, as you get closer, you can actually make out what they're talking about. Before we get to that, Ebby, where are you going? <laughs> so Ebby, I mean, Amarok is going to be his eyes and ears, but okay. Ebby has gone ahead and done the, the disguise self, um, thing and has, he looks uncannily like the priestess from Erdos's temple, but with... <laughs> just gobs of makeup and disheveled clothing and is meandering around in the square over here. <laughs> Torn oh fishnets, big old thigh yeah. boots. That's amazing. <laughs> so you look like her plus some extra accoutrement. You're not, um, <laughs> yeah. you're not, <laughs> you're not dressed up like the priest, like in her robes and vestments and things like that. You yeah, just not look, at all. You just, you her just, face. You just, you stole yeah, her he face. stole her face and appearance. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and oh. as her as like, uh, lady of the night. <laughs> okay. I'm going to need you, Ebby, to make a performance check, actually. <laughs> or a deception. With well, advantage. Like, though, that's not what our ladies look like. Come on. All right. I mean, it's all the same modifier, so we're going to give this a shot. Uh, 13. 13. Not bad. Ebby, we're going to so get back to you. I'll look like a not a very convincing lady of the night, but... <laughs> Roos, you can actually hear what's going on. Amarok can see because he's invisible um, as he sneaks around the corner. So um, first off, um, Jordan, if you want to tell us what Amarok sees. Yeah, so sneaking around the corner, it looks like there's a large well kind of in that central area. And it looks like there are, there's a, a massive gem. Um, and then there are probably four street tough, like kind of hooded individuals. And then there are what looks like some other characters on the south 
e or southwest side of that square, and it looks like a hooded kind of lizard folk person with some kind of accompanying individuals. Yeah. And then there's some kind of lady standing by the gym who has her face covered as well. It looks like it looks like basically they're not wearing uniforms, but you can tell with like gang colors or whatever. These are two different groups and they are they are meeting um, together looking at this gem. It looks like the woman with the mask on um, is with the hooded individuals. The one one of the hooded individuals you saw um, coming into the square. And then the kind of more street tough, like the tougher looking dudes, the um, are accompanying the the red scaled um, kind of lizard folk uh, man. Nice. Roos, you, even though you're like five feet from the corner, you can hear talking back and forth and you hear um, a female voice say, it's worth more than that. It's 30,000. You said 15. And then you hear a voice say, I said 15, but this is, this is going to be harder to get out of town. Six, six is as high as we can go. And the woman says, well, that's not acceptable. The deal is off. And the voice says, the deal's off when I say it's off. And then you actually hear what sounds like the drawing of blades. Ebby, I had you make a deception or performance check and you rolled a, a great 13 as you are kind of hobbling, wandering around this square. You hear a voice whisper, kind of a stage whisper at you. And it says, you need to get out of here. It's not safe. And you can hear it is coming from um, where you're at in the square. It's coming from the building straight to the north of you. Oh, Ebby will kind of move that way and respond. Who, who are you? Ebby, I want you to make a perception check real quick. Sure. Let's do that. Or insight, whichever you prefer. Mm, let's do insight. Let's try it. Ugh, terrible roll. Uh, roll to 10 for insight. Um, as you approach this building, kind of, you know, you hear the voice, you kind of start approaching this building, you hear um, authority in this voice. Um, this building is old. It's got like some scaffolding, got some like boxes and crates kind of uh, left out in front of it. Uh, it looks like it's unoccupied and it's been unoccupied for a while, but the voice definitely sounded like somebody who's used to being listened to. And that's as much as I can give you. Ebby <laughs> Ebby is going to respond and say, uh, looking to have a good time today, governor. And we'll speak just a little <laughs> bit louder than normal. <laughs> so casual. <laughs> okay. As you say that, the door cracks open. And you see a woman standing there. She is wearing um, a purple kind of jacket over armor. And the jacket is long, almost like a duster. Um, and you can see that she has um, she has some like a cloak pulled up around her, um, but she steps out of the doorway just the tiniest little bit. She looks around and she says, you need to leave, lady. Well, I guess I can if you's work in this spot. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. Um, Ebby. Okay, so here's where we're at. We're at, we have uh, 
we have Pine and Roos are kind of in the middle of the square, but they're on the north side of this building, this old house that's kind of there in the middle. We have uh, Bordemus and Narier on the west side, kind of um, on the opposite side of this other building from where all of the commotion is going on with the crystal. We have Ebby, who is further north, talking with this woman who has just peeked out of this abandoned building. And we're just going to go ahead and roll initiative right now. All right, well, Nari rolled a 12. Roosh rolled a nat 20 for a 23. Thank goodness for your good rolls, guys. Uh, Ebby rolled a 9. Pine also rolled a 23. And Amarok rolled an 11. Bordemus got a 15. Good job, Bordemus. Nice. All right, and we are going to start initiative. Pine, you, well, actually, so Pine, you are you have an 18 dex. Roos, what's your dex? It's only 16, so Pine would go first. Pine, you are up. You are standing on the north side of this old abandoned building. You can kind of see and hear Ebby wandering around uh, kind of further north of you, kind of back behind you a little bit as well. And you can see that Roos has been listening in at the corner. You've been hearing the voices, but you haven't been able to make out what they're saying. Um, but you can see the tension in Roos, and you can hear the voice of Ebby doing his best. Um, what is it? Eliza Doolittle? Is that her name? Yep. Impression? Very good. <laughs> uh, so, it has, and, and Ebby hasn't communicated anything telepathically through Squire? Uh, not yet. No. Uh, I, I guess I thought maybe they'd be able to see since it's kind of in their line of sight. I will say that you guys can look back and you can see this woman has stepped out of the. Um, out of this building um and um I, I think it's not it's not too much to say you guys recognize that the color purple that this woman is wearing um that's the royal color of the kingdom of arkovia as well okay through squire to everybody i'll say stay hidden there's a third party it's the fuzz and i will draw <laughs> my sword and and prepare an attack if anything aggressive comes toward me. But as I draw my new Tabri Ambassador's Blade level three, all silver and white and blue, um, I'll also say, Frigid Aggression Stance. All right, so you have rated in action. And Roos, what is your move? It's your turn. Roos is gonna take a step to the corner to just get a better view of the situation and remain hidden. Um, and if my prepared action would be if anyone comes towards an ally of mine with the intent to hurt them, I will strike out from the shadows. Okay. Um, as you get to the corner, I want you to make a perception check. My second nat 20 in a row. This is <laughs> going well for me. Uh, 31. <laughs> As you you go up to the corner, before you even ready your action, you you hear a tiny little... There's kind of this scaffolding off this building um, here on the corner, and you hear this little creak, and you look up, and you can see that somebody is standing above this little area where the people are on this scaffolding. And as you look up, you catch a hint of purple. Okay. Um... I'm going to do something else then. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to shout out and try and do my best, you know, 
street rat sort of impression and say, It looks like they're up in the rafters. Ooh. That sounded nothing like Aladdin. I know, I was going to say, I don't buy that. <laughs> I was thinking like Remy. Oh, yeah, I mean, I could have done any of those, but, you know. I just want right. to draw attention for the, those in the, the courtyard that they're being watched. Are you still going to ready the, the action in case somebody comes uh, closer? Yeah, but o- again, only if they have intent to uh, hurt my people. But I want to shout out to point out that, or maybe I guess the action would be shout and then hide again. <laughs> okay, perfect. Why don't you make your stealth check again with a plus 10? Basically, this is like you're shouting and you're trying to hide the fact where you were from. Like, basically, you're trying to throw yeah. your voice. Yeah, yeah. So I got a 34 on the stealth. So 24 <laughs> plus 10. That's awesome. <laughs> like, one of the thugs kind of turns to the other one and says, dude, don't be so loud. And he's like, what? No, that was you. Um, very good. You could be a, ventri- a ventriloquist. Okay. That is Roos's turn. That brings us now to the figure up in the rafters, up on this scaffolding. He stands up and uh, the only person who can see this probably is Roos. And you have kind of this weird view because you're looking kind of up at him, but he draws something from his back and points it down into the uh, into this square where all of these hooligans are. And uh, it looks like he's pointing a rifle down into this group. And he says, nobody move. That crystal is for King Tenor. Dealing with the fuzz. <laughs> that will now bring us to these cloaked figures. Um, you see um, one of them draws a bow and points it up at this soldier who's aiming a rifle at them and he's going to take two shots but before he can even get a shot off the figure with the rifle takes aim and blasts down into the uh the courtyard and we're going to take two shots and that is going to be two hits and that is going to be some big damage well actually (laughs) that's going to be some pretty lousy damage um, let's see, plus 1d10, let's do that. Okay, that's a little bit better. Okay, this first uh, figure who goes to, this first thug who goes to shoot at that soldier is instantly taken down with two quick shots in succession from this guy's rifle. Boom, boom! And it cracks out. You guys can hear the sound echoing through this um, through this square. Um, the others are going to now take shots at him as well with their bows. Are, and they are going to take, uh, there's going to be three shots because there are three of these thugs. It looks like um, one of them will hit. And that is going to be oh, a whopping four damage to this soldier. All right. These thugs with the, uh, with the cloaks on are going to kind of reconsolidate around the woman with the mask, kind of perform, uh, forming like a little bit of a, uh, uh, like a guard around her. And they're saying, quick, grab the crystal. Let's go. And that is going to now be Sir Bordemus's turn. Uh, Nari, where you are next to Sir Bordemus, you guys could not help but hear that big, loud crack of a gun going off. Sir Bordemus is going to draw his sword, and um, instead of doing any kind of attack, he's going to step out, uh, kind of standing next to Pine, and he is going to um, he's going to call out to the rest of you, and he's going to say, "We've got this." Don't worry, I've got your back. And each of you can now, if you're within 30 feet of him, 
add a d4 to any attack roll or saving throw for the next minute. Ooh, and that's nice. Did it have to be audible? He could have done that through Squire. Um, he is, um, okay, you heard it from Squire, I guess. Okay, good. <laughs> He's still trying to figure out how this thing is working. He's like, All right, I guess, yes, you, I've got your back. Um, and you hear that in your mind. Hey, is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Squire, tell them I got their back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would like you to relay the following message. Okay. And that is now going to bring us to our next surprise. As you guys are standing there. Um, Ebby, you're standing kind of more in the northwest corner, um, dressed as this lady of the night. Um, you see the, um, the woman who stepped out looking at you, um, and then she kind of um, leans over next to one of these crates, and she kicks it. And the crate starts to shake and move. And suddenly, standing next to her is a bishop. Ooh. A large, giant size, 10, 12 feet tall um, construct. An Ormek. Roughly similar in shape to the deacons and to Ebby himself, but with extra long arms. There is like a, a cannon, a tube on its shoulder that you know from past experience can come up over the shoulder and can fire a mana blast with devastating force. This woman standing in this building has a bishop next to her. And Roos and Pine and Bordemus all looking further to the east down this this road that leads back into uh, further into this uh, uh that leads back into this uh, poorer part of town, you see another crate start to shake and stand up as a second bishop stands and is blocking the escape to the east. Holy crap. There are two bishops. The first bishop, the one up in the north by uh, Ebby, is going to completely ignore Ebby and move 40 feet. Um, actually, he's going to move a total of 80 feet. Use two moves. Um, and get down closer to uh, Bordemus and Pine and Roos, and he's going to call out and say, nobody move. And then the other one that's in the uh, street further to the east is going to step forward, aim its mana cannon in at the group, and is actually going to take a shot. That is going to hit, and that is going to be... Oh, God, yes. That is big damage. Okay, that is going to be 24 damage. Instantly, another one of these thugs, these guys in the cloaks, these disciples of danger, um, is basically vaporized from the mana blast. Yikes. Yes. Did he leave behind one of his cool danger cloaks? Wait, does Nari get hit, or is she kind of, like, hidden a little bit? Uh... Did who get her? Oh, Nari? Yeah. Nobody has really paid attention to you. Nice. Okay. Um, that is now going to bring us to the leader of the Disciples of Danger. She is going to draw her sword, grab onto the crystal, and try to haul it back as this um, this lizard folk kind of puts a hand on the crystal as well to keep her from taking it. And she is going to strike at him three times. And she is going to hit him only one time. And that is going to deal some damage. All right. 
Um, that is her turn. Nari, you are up. You have heard the crack of a rifle. You have seen um, a bishop come marching down into the square. Um, and uh, you can t- you've even heard the call of the bishops calling everyone to, to not move. Uh, what is Nari going to do? Heck, honestly, I don't, I don't even know. Um, I think Nari is going to try to go and engage this bishop and at the very least try to distract them. Uh, so she's going to move up towards them and she is going to just strike with her axe as like hard as she can, um, which is a 27 to hit. That will hit. Okay. And so she is going to do 17 damage, plus she is going to use her Axe of the Adjudicator, um, which is a DC 13 saving throw. DC 13 saving throw. Um, It fails. Okay. And then she is going to use her um, action to let go again and just... Okay try to get as much damage as she can against this guy. Ooh, so 20 to hit. That'll hit. For 13 damage. Um, anything else? I think that's it. I think that's it for now. That That's what she's going to do. Real quick. Well, actually, we'll, we'll get to Ebby in a second. Amarok. What's Amarok going to do? Um... Okay, so I think what we're going to have Amarok do is fly up the building um, to where the guy is with the rifle. And I want to see just how many people are up there. As he flies up there, you can see that there's only one figure. Uh, he is wearing um, a purple like duster. He, it's over armor, and he's got this um, very intricate, very um, elaborate rifle. Um, it looks like a... Um, like a, a breech loader, so not like a musket where you have to like you know ram a, a rod down it, but like actually it has a hinge, and you just pop it down, load up your your uh, your bullet, then pop it back closed like a hinge action shotgun, um, and that is what he has. Although it looks very arcane-ish, it looks very elaborate and intricate, and with gold scroll at work on it and things like that. Got it. Uh, I'm going to have um, Amarok go up there and prepare an action to attack this guy if he trains a gun on one of our group. All right. Um, Nari, you have been attacking this bishop. You see... Well, actually, Ebby, you see this woman here who is back here at this building um, over by you, uh, the one who woke this bishop up. She actually pulls out a rifle as well, and she is going to take two shots at Nari. Ooh, gosh. Um, so that's a natural 20 and then a 21. Ooh. Heck. Okay. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do for the first shot. That is going to be 2d8 plus 2d10 plus 4. That is going to be 28 damage from the crit. Ooh. Oof. And the regular shot is going to be just another 9 damage. That is big. She's also going to call out there's more involved. And it is now Ebby's turn. Ebby, I got a quick question for you. Yeah. How's Ebby doing? Seeing what's going on. Um, <laughs> I know that Ebby was formulating a plan in his head. And then when the bishops awoke, everything got thrown out the window. Um, 
So he is going to, upon seeing Nari, like, subjugate that thing using the axe of the adjudicator, he immediately, like, drops the facade. He is fully exposed as an Ormek, and he yells out, Nari, don't kill him! And he's going to run forward and try to touch the that bishop that is subjugated and see if he can't awaken it. Okay. <laughs> so. All right, I guess I will try to not kill him. I'm clearly doing so well. You, you hit hard. <laughs> you did some good damage. Um, 30 damage, I think, is what you did in your two hits. Um, and you're going to have advantage on all your attacks next, next round. So, um, Jordan, I sent you a document... Um, we already talked about the rules for freeing Ormex. Yeah. Ebby has read the Crystal Codex, which gives him advantage on this save. So there is that. Um, Ebby, as you reach out to touch this bishop, as has happened before with um, with the deacons that you, the Ormex that you've rescued in the past, you, it's almost like time stops for a second and you can see the power coursing through this body, this massive body, but still a body. Um, you can see it going like arteries or veins shooting around uh, this figure, and you can see a small section in the chest of this bishop where it's like there's no power going there. There's like a little circuit breaker. And you can attempt to flip that switch. Yeah. Um, now, Jordan, because you have read through these rules, I remember I told you last time, there is definitely some possibility of some bad things happening um now you are fully aware of how bad things can go so why don't you go ahead and make your wisdom save you get to make you get to add a d4 because you are close to Ortimus. got it and is it a, just a d20 or is it a wisdom it's a wisdom saving throw oh okay so you're good at those yeah i feel better about that i was about to just roll 20s without any modifier we got you, Abby. We're here for you. <laughs> if I was within 10 feet, you'd have more. Yeah, he's, too, he's too far to get Pine's aura, but he is getting Bordemus's leadership, which is just a D4. Okay. So, and Nari's good vibes. Perfect. So, and then I'll just roll the D4 as well, just to see. So with the advantage on the saving throw, and then Abby has pretty good buff to his wisdom, and then the... I rolled the D4 for a plus two. Abby got a 29 on this. <laughs> so I'm looking at your rolls and even your fail, your lower score is still enough to, um, you can free an Ormek with no ill effects to Ebby. Oh, thank goodness. Ebby, as you reach out and you touch this bishop, this massive form, you feel that switch. You flick it, and all of a sudden, the power that is coursing around the body floods into that that little central section uh, that you know is the crystalline matrix. That that device that houses the consciousness of the being in this body, and you see the eyes of this bishop go out, and then come back on green similar to Ebby's if I can I want to speak to that bishop before I close my turn I imagine that's going to take up all of my actions bonus actions everything yes this this is this is your turn in allele 
I want to say, um, like, you know, Ebby very quickly in Allele says, like, Alawethwith, and points towards the lady in the building on the north end of town. And what he said in Allele is, Brother, we need you now. She is the one that is uh, the danger. Fight. And hopefully we'll direct the Ormac to fight with us. All right, well, way to ruin my attack. But <laughs> well, we'll see what happens in two rounds um, when he gets back up from kneeling down. <laughs> ah, I love it. Okay, Ebby's turn is over, and there is now a freed bishop on the field. It is now these uh, fractured force forces. They are going to draw crossbows, and they are going to start shooting at anybody they can. So two of them are going to shoot at the leader of the Disciples of danger and uh one is going to hit and that is going to be some big damage no it's not three damage to her and then we have one is going to shoot at the rifleman who shot um down at you guys and it's going to miss and the last one's going to shoot at the bishop that ebby just freed with a critical hit and that is going to be 14 damage to that bishop oh no um, you have fought bishops before. You know that bishops have way more than 44 hit points total. Okay, that brings us now to the leader of the Fractured Force. He is going to strike back at the leader of the Disciples of Danger. I have a hard time saying that. I always forget what it's called because it's so lame. Um, he's going to pull out a longsword and he is going to make three attacks against her. And that is going to be... Um, one hit, four, oh, oh my gosh, these guys are so lame. Uh, that's going to be five damage to her. So she has now taken a total of eight damage, um, and that is going to do it for this first round of combat. We are back up to the top with Pine. All right, well, my turn wasted <laughs> last time. Sometimes rolling high on your initiative is not ideal when not everything is on the field. Um, so, okay, uh, first question about the environment around me. I know that there's somebody up on a scaffolding just because I've heard the gunshots. Like, I, I figure I'm, I'm aware of kind of there is somebody higher up. Is there any obvious way for me to get up to the to that scaffolding now from where I'm at? I'll just let you know, if you went around the corner, um, you could climb the scaffolding very easily, like a ladder. It's, it's rough. It's slapped together. Um, it wouldn't be hard to get up there. And with your the amount of movement that you have, you could definitely get up next to this guy, um, no problem. Okay. It, well, well, actually, no, you couldn't because there's not enough room to stand up there with him. You'd have to kind of like try to force him off or something, push him down. Oh, so he's like safe up there? It's like a five foot by five foot square, and he is he controls that whole square. Oh. Well, I'm not very good at like pushing attacks and stuff. Um, so what Pine will do instead, um, Pine will kind of take a commander's approach to this now. It's kind of getting a feel for where things are currently. And he will say, Bordemus, get to the top of the scaffolding. Take out the marksman. Nari, go after the leader in the north. Roos, get that crystal. And Ebby, you're with me. And then what Pine will actually do is head over to this other Ormek and kind of stand right next to it. And uh, 
I'm there to kind of distract it from shooting on my friends and also to help Ebby with the uh, the wisdom save when he comes to, I imagine, comes to touch this other one. Okay. And then, so for my action then, I'm actually going to, at the Ormek, I am going to say, trouble this battleground no more and do my paralyzing shout. Okay. So it's a DC 15 wisdom save or this Ormek is paralyzed. This Ormek, this bishop, um, actually rolled a natural 20. So it doesn't seem to work. All right, well, that's my turn. Okay. All right, Roos, you are up. It looks like um, to the north, you have Nari and Ebi and this bishop, and further north, you have this, uh, this woman who uh, was controlling that bishop. And then to the south, you have a cluster of random wieners. <laughs> As one does. Normal right. Tuesday night, you know? That's right. <laughs> so this is this how is the scaffold put together? Is there a way where I could try and slash at it to make it fall down? Yeah, I'd say you can. Yeah, sure thing. Okay. Would the psychic would my my chakram be able to cut through it or Um I would say sure if you can deal enough damage. Let's I mean we'll say if you can deal fifteen damage to the um, post um, that you can do it. I would say I, I wouldn't give you a sneak attack though. Okay. Well, I wouldn't be able to do fifteen and even in two hits because I won't I won't get sneak attack. So um, just glare at it really hard. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. I'm going to step. Oh, there's a lot of people. I'm going to step around the corner. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a, lot. a lot more than I thought. There's a lot of wieners down there. <laughs> there are way more wieners than I expected. It's like a barbecue or something. <laughs> Yeah, I most of them have like 14 hit points or like 20 hit points. They're all just okay. a bunch of little scrubs. I'm going. Roos is going to throw his chakram up at the guy above him. Okay, and and you were hiding, so you would get sneak attack. Oh, I was. Yeah, yeah, I was. So let me. Would that give me advantage too, or not? Yeah, that's that's advantage. So with advantage, I got a crit. Oh my gosh. So that did. Oh, I don't know if this. You've had three crits this tonight, haven't you? Seriously, I know this is kind of wild. <laughs> so this does nine psychic, so then seven more for the crit, and then for the sneak attack, fourteen damage. So thirty damage. Very nice. Then I'm going to reach into my pocket and pull Gigi out and say, "Go get him, Gigi!" And I'm gonna toss her up in the air above me. Okay. And she's going to go and uh, just start licking at him with her tongue. Ferocious, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. It's only a 16 to hit, so probably miss it. Uh, um, the 16 to hit, um, that actually, that might hit, that will barely hit, yes. Oh, hey, cool. What attack is this? <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's spectral weapon or it's, um, Spiritual weapon. Oh, spiritual weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, oh, fantastic. So it's Gigi's bright blue tongue. Gigi's bright blue tongue, and she hit him for eight force damage. Holy cow. I freaking love that. And so now she's kind of like flying circles around him. Nice. Got him right in the eyeball with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, she just licked him right in the eye. Pine, as you're standing next to this other bishop, you can see... As um, as Roos is attacking this uh, this marksman, you see dents and cuts start to form on the bishop standing next to you. There is some link 
that is siphoning damage from the marksman onto this bishop. Oh, boo. Okay. And that now brings us to the marksman. And this marksman who's standing up here on the scaffolding, you hear him say, all right then, plan B. And you see anyone who's watching sees him reach into his pouch, pull out a little tiny red crystal, um, little evocation crystal. He gives a little kiss and he flicks it up in the air, pops open the breech, catches it in the gun, snaps it shut, super anime style, flips the gun around and a deafening roar down into the courtyard where all of these figures are and they all need to make dexterity saves or else they are going to take some serious, serious damage. They all take 26 damage as a fireball from that gun explodes. There is no save good enough for these little wiener thugs. The two remaining of the Disciples of Danger, uh, of the, the wiener guys, they, they both die. Um, I gotta stop saying wieners, I'm no sorry. No wiener guys. <laughs> he said wiener so much. Does anybody <laughs> want some roasted wiener? <laughs> as long as it's on a bun. Would you like a wiener in the mouth? Oh, sorry. No, banger in the mouth. Wiener in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, banger in the mouth. Banger in the mouth, yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, man, that was big damage. Oh, everybody is reeling from that shot. Um... The, um, the fractured forest guys are all in bad shape as well. All right. That is now going to bring us to... Uh, well, actually, we're going to skip that guy. It's Bordemus's turn. Bordemus is going to rush down uh, past Roos, climb the scaffolding, and attempt to grapple this uh, rifleman. So we're going to do two contested... Um, oh, Bordemus goes to grab the guy, and this rifleman is uh, very, very dexterous and manages to actually kick Bordemus uh, kind of in the head before he can even climb up. Both of them miss. The... Uh, the marksman is able to keep Bordemus at bay. Bordemus is now down kind of more in the center of the square, um, down at the bottom of the scaffolding, trying to get up to this rifleman. Um, that brings us to the bishops. Nari and Ebi, this bishop that you have just released, you see him turn his gaze towards the, uh, the woman marksman up in the north. And as you see him clench his fist in rage, and point with the other one. He's about to say something, and then he kneels down and bows his head. Oh my gosh, sorry, <laughs> bud. <laughs> he was not a friendly until just now. Yeah. And, no, and don't worry, now it's the other bishop's turn. Pine, you're standing in front of this bishop. Um, he is going to take two swipes at you. Good, bring it on. <laughs> um, let's see, two swipes. We've got a plus seven to each of these rolls. Um, that's going to be a natural one, but then a 24. So he will hit you with one swipe. Okay. And you're going to take 13 damage. Okay. Okay. Um, and that is his turn. That brings us now to the leader of the Disciples of Death. She, or, <laughs> that brings us now to the leaders of the Disciples of Danger. Disciples of Death would be a lot cooler. But I'm pretty sure it's copywritten already by somebody else. And... Um, <laughs> These guys are kind of wieners. There's nothing really deadly about them. Hey, um, can you stop saying wiener? <laughs> they're obviously These are such clearly wieners. sausages. <laughs> These guys are a bunch of sausages and she is going to gaze around, see all of her um, all of her uh, associates are dead. 
um, and she is going to glare across at this uh, lizard folk man, and she is going to actually uh, take a bonus action to disengage, 5, 10, 15, and she's going to move past the bishop um, into the street, heading further east into the neighborhood, and disappear. And the Disciples of Danger are no longer a part of this fight. Boo, but we know they're going to be a fan favorite, right? <laughs> People are going to cosplay as Disciples of Danger. The Wieners of Danger. <laughs> All right, that brings us to Nari. Nari, it is your turn. Uh, Nari is going to follow Pine's instructions, and she is going to run up towards this person in the north. Okay. Did, can she move far enough to still get an attack, or was it too far? Yeah, that's 30 feet. Yeah, no, that's that's literally exactly it. And so she is going to slash for a 22 to hit. That will hit. So that's a, an 11 damage. And then she is going to use her Axe of the Adjudicator again and try to get this person to grovel. So they got to make a 13 wisdom save. Okay. Um, she actually makes the save. Okay. Uh, so again, for a 23 to hit. That will hit. And that is 10 damage, and she is again gonna make her, like, the last, um, acts of the Adjudicator. She's gonna try to get her to grovel. Oh, a natural 20. That's my second natural 20 for a save. Nice. It is, uh, it does not work. She feels it, like, trying to take hold, but she manages to shake it off. Um, Ebby, as you are standing next to this bishop that has been freed, that is now kneeling, you see dents and dings start to open up on uh, its carapace as Nari deals blows to the, uh, to the marksman to the north. All right, so Nari is going to um, use her action surge, and she is going to just hit again at this person. Like, I, I kind of feel bad, but... Okay. They've got to go. So 20 to hit. That'll hit, yeah. For 15 damage. And then again, for a 23 to hit. And solid rolls. 16 damage. 16 damage. Nice. That's huge. That is huge. Yes. And Ebby, as you um, are watching this bishop just ding and dent and, and everything, you see that he has now reached half hit points. Yikes. Okay. Okay. Um, Amarok's turn. Okay. Uh, seeing that this guy, uh, the guy on the scaffolding, the, the rifle guy, has kicked uh, Bordemus in the head, um, Amarok's going to go ahead and make an attack on him. A bite attack. Okay. Um, which will do a nine to hit. So I'm guessing nothing. Okay. AC 16 on these guys. A question. He was invisible. Does that mean he gets an, an advantage on I this? I believe so, yes. I believe so. <laughs> okay, we'll try one more time. Another nine. Doesn't matter. <laughs> he will never ever... <laughs> At least he's consistent. Yeah, you know? Solid nice. as a rock. Nice. Alright. That will leave us now to this markswoman who has been attacked uh, repeatedly by Nari. She's going to step uh, a side of Nari. So Nari, you can take your uh, opportunity attack. Uh, so it was a 22 to hit, and then it was a 16 damage. All right. Um, she is going to turn around. She's going to blast. She, You see her do something similar to what the uh, marksman down below did. Uh, she pulls out a little clear crystal, flicks it in the air, catches it in her rifle, spins it around, takes aim at Nari, and... <laughs> Nari, make a constitution save. 
Uh, difficulty 14. Damn, Paul. Stop making these guys so cool. Oh my gosh. Okay. My constitution save was 13. Does she get the the 1d4 from Fortimus? Uh, she's not within range. I have the, oh. or, the aura up, and she is definitely out of range. Got it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, Nari, you take 17 damage, and you are pushed 15 feet backwards as you feel this force just throw you backwards. 5, 10, 15. Heck. Okay, yeah, perfect. Okay, that is where we are at now after her turn. And she shouts out to the marksman uh, to the south. She says, we have to finish this now. Ebby, it is your turn. Okay, um, Ebby has been pretty focused on the Ormec and like seeing this Ormec and all these dents and things just kind of materialize seemingly out of nowhere. He's kind of like, no, 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 no. And he's going to actually cast dispel magic on the Ormec to see if he can break whatever it is, the linkage there. Is that cool with you, Paul? That is fa- fantastic. I'm going to say, what level are you casting at? Um, it's a third level spell, so... Yes, but you can upcast it. If you want to cast it at fourth level, then it will then it will uh, um, get rid of any fourth level spell. Otherwise, you still have to roll if it's higher than that. I'm not telling you if it's higher or not. I just want to know what you're going to cast it at. Yeah, I don't have any fourth level slots, so... Okay, um, third level. Okay. So we'll do it with third level. I'm going to need you to make a roll, um, and it's going to need to be uh, difficulty uh, 14. Okay. And I do it not with the spell attack modifier, but with just my normal spell modifier, right? How does that work again, Dispel Magic? Make an ability check using your spell casting ability. Yes, so it would be with this spell, Dispel Magic, is it a druid spell or is it a warlock spell? It's a druid. Okay, then you can use your wisdom. Got it. Okay, okay. Your wisdom modifier. Yeah. So let's go ahead and please be decent. Difficulty 14. Ah, uh, 12. Oh, oh you can plus, plus a d4. Plus a, no, wait, no, it's <gasps> not it's not a uh, it's not a save. Never mind. I was going to say you're within Bordemus's range, so you cannot break the link. Okay. Um so Abby's going to say, "Ah, crap." And then he's just going to bolt over towards the other Is that what Abby said though? Was oh crap? <laughs> oh, most I'm definitely. I'm pretty sure he said bull honky. Bull honky, and then he's gonna run <laughs> over to this other Ormec. I don't know that I have enough action left in my turn to be able to try and do the disconnection to try or try to awaken him. But here, here's what I'll say. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be cool with this. I'll say you can attempt it without the advantage. Okay, I'll do that. I mean, with pine, you gear, will. Okay, Woo-hoo. yeah, let's try it. Yeah, you get to add four because I'm there. Okay. You get to add four from uh, from Pine. You also get to add a D4 because you got Bordemus. Perfect. Okay. 19 plus four is 23 and then a D4. Yep. For 25. Right on the, oh. right on the money. Jeez, <laughs> you nice. barely made it. Oh. Okay, so I'm just going to let our, our listeners in. Um, the difficulty 25 is no effects. 20 to 24 is it works, but Ebby takes a level of exhaustion. And then as it goes down, there is more exhaustion um, and then actually there's some even worse things that can happen. Okay. Ebby, 
you reach out. Again, same deal. I won't have to describe the whole thing again. You flip that switch, power courses through uh, the body of this bishop, and you can see the eyes power down and power back on. Green. And it looks around at its uh, surroundings, and you see the tube on its back come up and over and start looking for targets. All right. It now is the um, Fractured Force's turn. Uh, the leader of the Fractured Force directs uh, his, um, his minions, grab the crystal, let's get out of here. And they all run up, grab the crystal, and they start carrying it away. Oh, hell no. They managed to get the crystal into kind of this alley behind this building. And you can see that they are all for carrying it. And because they're all working on it together, they will get to move their normal movement as they carry it. But they cannot take actions. And they are trying to run. Back up to the top of the round, we have Pine. Pine, you're standing next to another freed bishop. Okay. As you see the crystal, this giant red crystal is being dragged out of the market square back behind a building into an alleyway. And it, what I'll tell you guys is if they manage to get the crystal off this map that I have made, it is gone. Okay, well, Pine... Well, that's has... obviously not going to happen. We're going to take care of this. <laughs> uh, Pine actually has enough movement to get up and engage with a bunch of them. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they are all hurting real bad. Yes, so Pine will go ahead. Um, this is where my rolls are just going to be typical Pine. Um, so for my first attack, I'm going to go ahead and use my uh, my new sword for the first time against one of these uh, not quite as weenie wieners. <laughs> not quite as weenie wieners, but they are they are definitely bloodied. Okay, all right. So the first one's a 21 to hit. Definitely hits. And that is garbage. I rolled a two and a one for my damage, so nine damage. And I will say, unleash with precision, Swordmaster's Fury, and use a level one spell. And another extra, like uh, two more quick swipes with the sword. Or next, that's another more garbage. Six more damage. And you strike this um, this uh, fractured force member down. One of the ones carrying this crystal is now dead. Uh, and I will say, can I say non-lethal? You can say non-lethal. Okay. Um, then my second attack will be to another one of these not as weenie wieners. Wiener wieners. Uh, that's a 24 to hit. That will hit. For 14, so nine piercing damage and five cold damage. And he drops non-lethal as well? Yep. Okay. Suddenly, the leader of Fractured Forest and one of these other wieners is left to carry this crystal by themselves. They feel the weight of it as these two allies have dropped unconscious. And because I don't have any more movement and I'm out of attacks, I'm going to say, Field Marshal, sir, I ask your aid. And I'm going to chuck Kenig's Estoc right in front of the leader of the frac Fractured Forces. Frenzied, fractured Forest. Frenzied Foes. Um... <laughs> And that's a 20 to hit on the leader. That will hit. Five force damage. Okay. He definitely looks in better shape than his uh, than his minions do. Um, but yeah, great round, Pine. That's my turn. Roos, it is your turn. 
you are standing at the bottom of the scaffolding where this marksman has been. You saw him just do a blast of a fireball and vaporize the disciples of danger. Yeah. So I am going to bonus action hide in these shadows here. Okay. But then creep to the opposite side of the building. Okay. Ready to cut off the guys that are fleeing with the the gem. Fantastic. Awesome. And so for the stealth on this one, oh my goodness, I have never rolled so many nat 20s in a session before. <laughs> Another nat 20? Oh, you are in your element, sir. Hell this yeah. so Living the, your best life. <laughs> with the plus 10, it was a 41 stealth. Oh my gosh, a 41 stealth. I am oh the knight. <laughs> yes. So my ready to action, it, um, if they come within range of me to throw my chakram at them, I'm going to throw at the guys with the with the stone. Perfect. Awesome. All right. That's going to bring us now to the marksman. The marksman is going to look around and see that things are not working how he thought they would. Um, he pulls out a crystal. Which crystal is he going to use this time? Ooh. Ebby, I am going to need you to make a dexterity save. Oh, no. Difficulty, 14. Bordemus has to do one, too. Okay. And Bordemus fails. Oh, Ebby got a nat 20 for a 22. That never happens to Ebby when a dex save is required. Oh, clutch. 30 lightning damage as a bolt of lightning comes blasting out. You hear the thunder crack. The lightning bolt comes shooting out of his rifle. Blasting Bordemus, Ebby, and the bishop. Bordemus is going to take all 30 of that. Um, the bishop, I'm fairly certain, is also going to take all of it. Oh, actually, no. The, the bishop rolled a 16, which means he got a 15. Um, he is only going to take half. And Ebby's going to take half. Fantastic. Cool. And that will bring us now to Sir Bordemus. Sir Bordemus is going to take two more attempts to knock this guy down. We're going to do opposed rolls, and that's going to be a failure for Bordemus. And the second one, finally, Bordemus manages to get up, grapple with the rifleman, and throw him off the scaffolding. And now Bordemus is standing up on top of the scaffolding. The rifleman falls 10 feet, is going to take... Uh, some bludgeoning damage, actually quite a bit. Five bludgeoning damage and hits the ground prone. That will bring us to the bishops. Nari, the bishop that you had been hitting uh, and that has been taking damage from you attacking the, the rifle woman, um, he gets up from kneeling, turns to look at this um, this woman to the north and steps up to her and is going to take two attacks. With the first attack, the bishop reaches up over its shoulder, not where the tube is, but where there's this small little box that you guys had not necessarily noticed or knew was even a thing. And he's going to attempt to rip it off. Um, and as he starts to pull, he cannot get it off. And so with his other hand, he clobbers this woman. He is going to try to hit her with a 19 that is going to hit and she is going to take 18 damage of which she takes nine and he himself will take nine as well and this other bishop seeing the marksman fall and take some damage 
Um, he had his uh, mana cannon aiming around looking for a target. Instead, he clomps over and he is going to smash. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to try to pull the box off of his back first off. Um, and he cannot get a grip of it either. And then he's going to take a swing at the marksman on the ground with advantage because the marksman is prone. And that is going to be, that's going to be a 12, which is not enough to hit the marksman. He manages to roll out of the way. And that is the bishop's turn. Um, Nari, you are up. Okay, I think Nari is actually going to try to run down to this alleyway to try to secure that crystal. That's only her movement, so she would ready in action for the first creature that tried to come towards her. Very cool. All right, Amarok's turn. Cool. Uh, Amarok is going to fly down, kind of dart down to the ground level where this guy is. He is still prone, right? Yep, he's still prone. The rifle guy, that is. Um, And he'll go ahead and make another bite attack with With advantage. advantage. Ooh, first roll was a 17. Let's see if we get a critical. Nope. So a 17 to hit. Okay, yeah, that'll hit. Cool. So that will do seven bite damage, and he needs to make a DC 11 constitution save. Natural one. How much poison damage? Nice. Or 10 10 more poison damage. And the bishop standing next to him takes five of that as he takes five. Okay, cool. All right. Your new allies are not taking damage from being hit, but they are taking damage from you guys fighting their their charges. Um, The uh, woman uh, who has lost control of her bishop uh, she is going to scramble away from the bishop and she is actually going to uh, turn her rifle on the bishop. She pulls out a red crystal and slaps it in her rifle and takes a shot at the bishop who then needs to make a dexterity save and he gets a an eight uh, failing this dexterity save and is going to take some serious fire damage. But so should she, right? Um, she shoots it past him. <laughs> so buildings are catching on fire as well. This is like bad no, news. No, I mean because of, because of their shared link. No, it doesn't work that way. It only goes one way. Oh. That's... It only goes one way. 36 fire damage to this bishop. This bishop is looking very, very rough. <sighs> and then she is going to... Oh, and did the bishop take an attack on her as she scrambled away? Uh, no, I don't think an opportunity attack. Well, he's going to take an attack on her anyway, and that is going to hit and deal uh, not too bu- not too bad. Just uh, It's going to be 13 damage total, so she's going to take 7, he's going to take 6, which brings this bishop to very close to failure. Oh my gosh. Abby, it is your turn. Okay. Um... You see this bishop that you first freed is sparking and dented and is falling to pieces um, before your eyes. Okay. So Ebby is going to rush up there and kind of still frantic is like, no, 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 no. And he's going to rush up and do Erdos's touch at a third level on this guy. Okay. And we'll heal him for 19 healing. Oh, wow. Very good. And then we'll use his bonus action 
to use his Verdant Light skill from Lord Moshe to heal an additional d6 for four more healing as well. Great. Okay. You see dents start to pop out. You see wires and a conduit that, you know, underneath the plates kind of start to reconnect. Um, and, um, yeah, very good. Still rough. Very, very rough. Is there anything else that Ebby is going to do? Or is that it? No, that's that's all he can do. He's kind of in, like, frantic, trying to keep these guys alive and safe mode right now. Well, um, it is now the uh, Fractured Force's turn. So what's going to happen is these uh, Fractured Force guys are going to move again. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. The, um, the leader and his two remaining minions grab this crystal and they start huffing it. Uh, they start huffing it, huh? <laughs> they, they put it in a bag and they start getting high off this crystal. No, <laughs> they start huffing it um, again and they're going to take their full move and then they're going to use their actions to do 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 um, to get up to the staircase. One of them did have to pass through my threat range. So I would have an opportunity to attack. Go ahead and make your attack. Come on. Also, I think Nari had a prepared action to attack. They got so did close to her, too. Yep, as long as they came with him in range, yeah. Oh, man. Well, so so far I did 16, so 10 piercing, 6 cold damage on the one that went through my area. Okay. That means, uh, was this guy dead or was he knocked out? He's knocked out. Okay. I'm just piling up a bunch of unconscious, uh, frenzied fanatics. Yes. <laughs> there you go. All right. So that means that you took out one, um, and then the leader and one more of his minion are still carrying this crystal. They still are able to get it moving at normal speed because they're working together. Um, as they come into Roos's threat range with his uh, Bayard family chakram. So coming out of the shadows, I would have had an advantage, uh, but I didn't crit on that one. So 26 to hit. Okay, that will hit for nine damage. Who are you going after, the leader or the wiener? Um, I'll go after the leader. Okay. So nine damage and then uh, six precision, so 15 damage to him. Okay. Uh, he is still standing. They both now get in, actually as they move through, only the, um, the wiener is in the threat range of Nari. So Nari, you can make your attack on the last minion. All right, well, Nari, uh rolled a 26 for to hit and then oh my gosh rolled a 12 damage are you uh swinging to kill or are you swinging to knock out as well oh to kill okay boom this guy drops suddenly the leader of fractured force is carrying this crystal by himself here's the deal though he is close enough to the edge of the map that he can still get this crystal away by himself on his next turn. And that's going to bring us back to the top of the initiative. And Pine, we will get to your turn next time. All right, guys, this has been a crazy fight trying to get this 30,000 gold piece crystal back from the losers who stole it from you. Um, Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening as you have two freed bishops who are taking a beating and these rifle users who are dealing some serious damage with their magical ammunition. 
the wieners that stole it from us. <laughs> I think the wieners are pretty much all dead. The only one who's still around is a little less of a wiener, the leader of the fractured force. And I think in all honesty, at this point, the bishops are the bigger concern. At least I would think they were. Not a wiener, more of bratwurst. <laughs> Sausage. There you this go. This is <laughs> well, anyway, if you like what we're doing, go check us out on uh, on Patreon. Uh, you can join our Discord. the The link is in the description of this episode. Uh, you can tell your family and friends about us. Um, you know, we really love what we're doing, and we're really glad that there are so many people out there who are really liking it as well. We hope to keep putting out more and more content for you. And until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time. <laughs>